Yeah, one thing we've been doing too, have you ever heard of Parsec? No. Uh, it's this program that lets you, j- like, join other people's computers remotely. Oh, okay. Yeah. But it, it's it's amazing how low latency it is. Hmm. Like, um, we've w- it lets you, like, connect... Con- like, by default, the only thing that people can connect to your computer remotely is controllers, unless you give them more access. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, it, it's, like, meant to be for, like, gaming with people remotely. Huh. Okay. So I've just been like emulating old like GameCube and N64 games and playing with people. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it's so cool. Um, have you ever heard of the game Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles? I think I have that. Is that a Wii? Was that on the Wii? It was on the GameCube actually. Oh, okay. Well, they might have re-, re they might have re-released it for the Wii because I think I have it for the Wii. There's a sequel for the Wii, I think. Oh, okay. Yeah, I um, played a little bit of that. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, I've never played any of the sequels of the game. I've just played the original, and I've heard that the sequels are kind of different. Yeah, I don't know. It wasn't that I didn't enjoy it very much. <laughs> gotcha. But Yeah, because the GameCube one, it, basically, like, the feature of it was, like, you had... I don't know if this, like, could be a podcast topic, but, I mean, we're already recording, so <laughs> That's oops. true. Uh, <laughs> but um, the, um, the, f- the cool feature of the game was that for GameCube... Um, that you used, if you you played it multiplayer, you used Game Boys as controllers. So, like, they had a cord that would let you plug in your GameCube, or your Game Boy Advance is as a controller into the socket. The reason for this is because it gave you your own screen for menuing. So, it was like a, a cooperative RPG game with friends. Oh, wow. Yeah, so it was like, it had real-time combat, um... And um, the ability to basically, like, like, you know, change your commands via, like, the Game Boy screen, basically. Mm-hmm. So you didn't have to, like, you know, open up a menu and pause the entire game every time any of your four players wants to change stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. It worked really well. Um, That's cool. It was a very unpolished game story-wise, but the combat was just very polished. Hmm. And very... It, maybe not super thought out, but, like, just the... Um, I don't know. I, we, that's one game that I've been playing with people on there a lot, and it's just so much fun. How, how does the how does that work with like emulation and stuff? Do they need to have their uh, own game uh, <laughs> Yes, you have to emulate a you have to emulate the GameCube via Dolphin, and then they they created a, a a fork of Virtual Boy Advance okay. that communicates with Dolphin. Hmm. So you like program your controllers to the Game Boy, and then the Game Boys communicate with Dolphin. <laughs> uh, and Oh my god, it is so resource-intensive on your computer. I bet. Um, Like, I had to download the European version of the game because it runs at 25 frames per second. (laughs) Wow. And that made a huge difference in whether I could do four players or not. (laughs) Are are you then emulating, like, all of the different things at once? Yeah, you you have to have all of them emulated on the same computer. The Game Boys, like, can't communicate remotely. Hmm. Yeah, no, it's it's it is a really fun game though. I I've really wanted to get like a group of people together to like do like streams of it. I don't know. I want to like find a fresh group of people that haven't played the game before though, and just do it like regularly, like on my Twitch stream or something. Do a few dungeons at a time. Hmm. That'd be fun. Yeah, one of the cool things about it too. So like there are like classes or races in the game that like are like magic oriented, attack, defense, and yeah, yeah, yeah. like d- like a range attack oriented. Okay. Um, so, like, it can get boring quickly if you just fall into your roles every time and don't mix it up, but the game does this bonus system that, basically, the better you do with these bonuses, the better your stat-ups are at the end of the level, and the bonuses basically force you to, like, kind of play outside your comfort zone. Oh, uh, so you have to kind of be doing everything. Yeah, it's like every, like, occasionally, like, so, like, spellcasters all of a sudden might get, like, a, like, don't heal yourself. Hmm as a bonus and it's like okay well i'll cast offensive magic but someone else has to do the curing magic you know someone might someone that's like offensively oriented might get like in like inflict magical damage that, that that reminds me a little bit of the system in gloomhaven the board game it's a cooperative game but each person has their own private objective that they can do to level up their character faster basically uh and it's things that usually go against the greater good of the group uh, yeah. So even even though like on its own the game would be pretty easy, um, there's this extra challenge and like you're you're never quite sure. It's like oh are they really gonna do what I like? Is my partner really gonna do what I want them to? Or are they gonna be selfish and try to do their own thing? <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. I mean for the most part there's not like a everyone's cooperative so there's not like a incentive to like screw other people's um, 
yeah bonuses for this your own sake because like the bonus points at the end pool to get you better artifacts okay um so you generally want everyone to do well with their bonuses but yeah i don't it's it's i I really like it just because the um every once in a while like you just have to do something that's not like in your character's forte Mm -hmm. which is it's just enough to like make the game interesting where you're not like you know the dedicated white mage of the group or the dedicated you know like mash a person of the group (laughs) it kind of just it forces you to just you know try things a little bit differently yeah one of the cool things too is that whole like spell casting system is based on timing where like you have to like practice spell casting with other people because like if you want to cast like a certain spell there's like you have to do you have to like line up your like casting circles on top of each other and time them in the right way to create different spells yeah so it's like you actually have to like practice a lot of different spells to do well in that game that's cool (laughs) yeah yeah like some there's basic ones that we all have that like uh for example like the there's like the the typical like fire thunder blizzard elementals in that game for like most final fantasies uh but if you want to like get more powerful blizzard spells or any of the elementals you have to like stack two blizzards on top of each other and we've like just come up with like an order for like who goes first second third fourth like in the hierarchy if we ever (laughs) casting together so that we know like who and who 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 goes first and like then when to release after that yeah but then you know it's not always easy because like if like i think mark and i are both like second like i'm third and mark is second so mark will always forget that he needs to go first when he goes with (laughs) me because I don't often spell cast in my role in our group, so um, I don't know. It's it's definitely to me a, a really interesting game. Nice, yeah, it sounds cool. I'm, I, like it's hard for me to even like picture exactly what you're talking about, uh, but I'm sure once I saw it, it would make sense. Yeah, if you ever do want to play, let me know. I'd love to get another yeah, group together uh, to play. I'd, yeah, I'd be interested in trying it. You know, speaking of games, because this is a podcast now, I'm just going to assume we started at some point in there. Uh, oh, did we? I I, I think so. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Since this is a podcast, maybe we should introduce it in a, you know, semi-formal and haphazard manner. All right, sure. But first, let me plug my new game that everyone can oh, go down. Oh, new game, right? Yeah. This isn't a podcast. This is a game. Life is a game. <laughs> I, I made an iOS game. It's pretty simple. But if you, if anyone out there, if you're using an iPhone, feel free to go download it. It's called Concentric Chaos. Concentric. And chaos concentric chaos concentric chaos that's right available now it's free just just get it and and rate (laughs) rate it five stars and stuff you know you know the deal yeah and then complain about it if you have an android phone like me yes yes do that (laughs) (laughs) yeah i'm gonna go on my android and uh you know rate it one star because i can totally do that yeah it it i i released the ability to rate it on android uh ju- just <laughs> you that just released a blank game and yeah it, like when you boot it up it just goes lol android <laughs> <laughs> rate five stars <laughs> <laughs> all right uh so podcast what were, what is this hmm. what i don't know it's i think it's layer by layer or something that is a cubing podcast oh i thought it was about cake uh, oh no it's ostensibly about rubik's cube speed cubing and occasionally slash often about other things i so, see you know cake could be those other things yeah yeah um it's also recorded on friday june 5th that's that's correct yeah also i have news for you andrew i know we do url shenanigans but this is one of the coolest things that i just found out about okay i'm interested any subreddit it's like, if you want to go to the Layer by Layer subreddit, another URL that works is layerbylayer.reddit.com. Oh, okay. I guess that makes sense. That actually works. And the funny thing is, is that I learned this, like, when I was on... I, I've been brought on a lot of, like, streams for online comps recently. Someone told me that, that, that like, when we, you when you were, like, you know, you know bullcrapping out in a uh-huh. URL, um, you almost did it. <laughs> <laughs> like, you almost did it once, and yeah. this... This listener was like, oh, that almost actually would have worked. <laughs> <laughs> nice. But yeah, you can actually use like subreddit name dot reddit dot com and it works. That's cool. And very, yeah. very useful. It's like shorter than slash r slash. And it makes sense just because like subdomains are like a fairly commonly understood thing. Yeah. 
And uh, it's been nice for me, too, because um, I've been shilling my, our podcast pretty heavily on um, <laughs> online comp streams recently, and I do that by, like, make, creating a little watermark on my video feed that has the LBL logo. Yeah. And the URL is just a lot simpler to put in that form. <laughs> it, because it just comes first? Yeah, it's like layerbylayer.reddit.com. Yeah. You know, that's just a lot easier than doing, you know, like reddit.com slash r slash layer by layer three characters better (laughs) (laughs) but i think i think that layer by layer coming first is is useful because it's like you just have to remember i don't know you just see it first and then you start typing that yeah exactly yeah yeah whereas like if you start typing in the url bar reddit first like all your other popular subreddits are going to come up in your autocomplete first yeah you'll you'll get Um, to shrub reddit and stuff first yeah Uh, (laughs) <laughs> shrub reddit <laughs> so I, I guess what we're trying to say with this whole thing is that if you want to discuss the show you can go to layerbylayer.reddit.shrubreddit.com uh, <laughs> man that's my favorite shrub reddit same yeah <laughs> also our logo was made by the wonderful sarah olson that's right we introduced a podcast. Hooray. Ooh. Go us. And um, we're only <laughs> 10 minutes in. <laughs> <laughs> oh, perfect. You know, maybe, maybe we don't actually need cubing to be happening in the world to find things to talk about. <laughs> I really don't think so. I mean, we for those for those listening at home, uh, like everyone except Andrew and I, um, <laughs> we were talking for like a solid twenty minutes about things before we started recording. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, and I don't think we've I think we've barely talked about cubing in that time anyway. Yeah, I mean, there's not there's not like cubing news right now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I have some things to talk about that are cubing related and cubing news ish worthy, but. Um, it's like for the most part, if you've been following the online competition scene, like I'm not going to be telling you anything really new. Yeah. So, I don't know. It is what it is. Before we jump into that, how about we do some follow up though? I agree. Uh, okay. Do that because <laughs> I don't have any follow up. Okay, because I do. So X Y Z Z Y on the speed solving forums, probably one of the, my favorite users on speed solving. Super intelligent, super knowledgeable. Um, especially when it comes to like. Um, programming and scrambling like uh he was the, i believe the one that programmed the first random state kilomink scrambler oh okay yeah yeah uh, uh and... wait wait so before before you talk about this we should also mention that you can discuss the show on the speed solving like layer by layer thread now that is true we do have a thread on which the i discovered how to thread. use yesterday so that's <laughs> cool. uh, <laughs> perfect <laughs> yeah so we do have a speed solving thread for discussing the podcast too uh if you're into speed solving and need more uh reasons to be enticed to go to speed solving um so hopefully we'll see you there yeah. uh but regardless on speed solving xyzzy left a lot of uh cool comments about our discussion about scrambling where like you have an arbitrary set of states so one really interesting thing that um is like it obviously this is not like something we can even think about right now but because we don't even have random state five by five but if we were to do random state seven by seven scrambles somehow i don't understand this completely and maybe you understand it a little bit more because you're uh, more of a programming person than i am (laughs) um but basically for the way java implements um randomness there are just not there's not enough memory to store every individual state of a seven by seven to select from right yeah (laughs) so that's kind of like a weird note that like eventually we won't even be at least within the java library and tnoodle the wca's official scrambling program is written in java like we are going to come up not just against the limits of what we can program but the limits of what the programming language can do yeah and i mean obviously everything in programming is just like pseudo random uh true yes it's all based on some, like, time, like, it, it takes, like, what, like, fractions of, like, the current, like, second in time, yeah. usually, to, like, as a seed. Yeah, it, it can use all sorts of things, but that's the common one, because that's always available. Like, there are other random engines that, like, use the position of the cursor on the screen and, like, the subpixel it's on and stuff like that. Uh, subpixel? There are subpixels a cursor is on? There, sometimes, yeah. Whoa. 
Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, I think you described that in basically the most succinct way you, you can. Uh, the, yeah. the the limit of the random generator, it can only generate numbers within like a certain space, a certain domain. Uh, mm -hmm. And if the, the size of that domain, because it's a finite domain, it's made up of discrete elements. Um, mm -hmm. So the size of that domain is smaller than the number of positions basically i don't know if it's the exactly like with the number of positions I, I don't know exactly what it is there but uh basically something about that scramble space or that that randomness space is smaller than what you would need for the fully random scramble space <laughs> i think i caught that uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah that's the yes yeah, so that's kind of an interesting thing to think about is that like there is like some practicality to using a subset of available states at some point just because we run out of basically selections in a pseudo random number generator yeah um which is kind of a cool thing to think about i, I guess like I, I think this is correct so i'm going to give a little analogy like if you think about if you're trying to pick a random state on a three by three and you are doing that by rolling a die you are not going mm -hmm. to be able to do it, right? Because you can only get so many options out of rolling that die. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so what you're saying is that Java has like a billion-something-sided die <laughs> built into it? Yeah, something and, like that. <laughs> and the, basically the die that Java has implemented does not have enough sides on it for a 7x7. Seven seven. Yep. At least that's how I understood his comment, So, or, yeah. or their comment. Uh, X, yep. Y, Z, Z, Y. If that is incorrect, please let us know. <laughs> yeah, and then it, it, the other things that were talked about here is like kind of the goal of using like Pachman notation for Megamink scrambles is mm -hmm. that um, like it's often brought up as like, you know, this example of how you can use a tiny portion of the entire scramble state, but you pick something that's like uniform with respect to most properties about the scramble. Mm -hmm. Like, for example, uh, one thing that's not uniform is a lot of, if you don't use long enough random move scrambles for 3x3, three three, um, certain EO configurations are biased over other EO configurations. Yeah. So that's like one example of some metric that you can come up with to sort of analyze um, like the properties of scrambles. And if you use random move for 3x3 three three with not enough moves, um, you end up biasing that. Another thing, too, is with uh, square one. Uh, if you use random move scrambles for square one rather than random state, typically it's hard to get out of parity on square one by random move because yeah. you have to get to, like, a very specific state to produce an odd cycle of pieces, in like, and you, ha you have to break cube shape significantly to do it. So, like, people have reported, like, you know, when using random move scrambles that they only get parity based on the way they solve it like probably 30 to 40 percent of the time um just because there's so many cases where the scramble never breaks parity and the obvious way to solve cube shape doesn't break parity so like th these are just some examples of how certain scramblers um for whatever reason may bias certain states over certain kinds of states over others xyzzy that went on to say though that uh they think that the 70 move scrambles we use for megaminks might still have human noticeable biases but um, not sure what by what measure it would be. Just that there's probably something human noticeable there. It's hard to tell if like if you're actually noticing a pattern or if you're like if that's just your brain trying to notice patterns really when it's random. I mean, one thing I will say is that I rarely see because I usually do black first on my megaminks. Mm -hmm. I rarely see black pieces that are like on the opposite layer. Yeah, that's what I was. That was what I was just gonna say. My first layer is almost always, like it feel it feels at least, like those pieces don't manage to get all the way around the cube or the puzzle. <laughs> yeah, like I I feel more often than not that's like the black star pieces are closer to the black center than they are my uh, gray center. Mm -hmm. Or I don't actually. What is my LL color? Yeah, it's gray. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i don't know that's um it's interesting I, it's it's tough though because like megaminx is very similar on the order of five by five and we definitely don't have random state scramblers yet for five by five yeah um we do have someone that developed a solver for five by five so but it's apparently very unoptimized currently and it would actually result in scrambles that are longer than our current scrambles currently if we did use it how much longer do you know by any chance <laughs> 
Um, this was a huge discussion on the WCA forum recently because someone tried to propose that we should uh, shorten our big cube scrambles. Mm-hmm. And basically, I think most people who knew things about scrambling were like, we should probably make them longer, if anything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think for the most part, they're like 10 to 12 moves longer on average. So instead of 60 moves, they're like in the low 70s at most sometimes. Huh, that doesn't seem that bad. It's not that bad, no. I think the problem more so is the um, the actual generation of the the solutions is very slow currently, and at like four by four random state and T noodle is already slow. Okay, yeah, I haven't done much scramble generation, so I'm not familiar with yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, like f- there are, there's two events like as a delegate I can tell you that like if you ever do them, you have to just like give T noodle more time like it's t noodle will not be instantaneously generating your scrambles hmm. uh, and that's four by four and square one. Oh, okay <laughs> if you ever do those events it's like you have to like prepare like about like 10 minutes for the scrambler to run huh. in my experience and then does five by five just take like an hour <laughs> oh it takes no time because it's random move no i mean like if if you were to do it with the the, uh, i don't know um i haven't played with the program that's out there um because i mean it doesn't seem unfeasible like if as long as you prepare your scrambles long enough in advance yeah exactly it's definitely true i don't know the thing is it's like if you have a major competition with like several rounds of five by five going on that might not scale so easily Mm -hmm. chen shuang is the one who wrote a five by five solver and it was just kind of an interesting discussion because it was like you know maybe we shouldn't uh because like one obvious fact about doing random move scrambles is like if you were doing scrambles that are shorter than the god's number for that puzzle mm-hmm. uh like you definitely are doing bad scrambles <laughs> yeah and not that the solver is necessarily generating like you know s- solutions in god's number in fact like the solver is doing redux oh really just very just efficient, efficient redux, redux. okay <laughs> yeah which the four by four solver does redux too Okay. Because if you ever notice when you do 4x4 four four scrambles, you only do outer turns at first. Yeah, because you're just doing the 3x3 three three stage. Right, I, exactly. I guess I knew that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, yeah, it's not something you connect right away until you realize, like, oh, yeah, we always do 3x3 three three only turns on a 4x4 four four scramble yeah. at first. Um, so, yeah, it does redux, so it's clearly not going to be, like, always giving you optimal solutions. Um, but, you know, generally, you know, if you have a random state scrambler and it takes a certain number of moves, if you want to guarantee a random move scrambler is doing just, you know, almost like comparably as well as the random state scrambler, you're going to want to be doing just as many moves mm-hmm. as that, that scrambler is doing on average. Yeah. So, um, yeah, Gregor, Gregor in this thread, Gregor Billing, uh, noted when uh, he was playing around with the solver, um, the scrambles are longer, but... Uh, noted that it's by less than 10 moves on average okay so that's yeah that's i seems, guess on average it's, it's going to be in the high 60s then that seems like it'd be totally reasonable to get to then yeah in terms of actually executing the scrambles i have no problem with adding a few more moves yeah. for you know having random state five by five scrambles i'm curious about time uh gregor did note that um it uh th- th- this fall five by five solver it requires creating pruning tables that are um like hundreds of megabytes big <laughs> okay um and that's how a lot of random state scramblers work is they basically cr- for those who don't know what a pruning table is and, and myself i am included i don't really know what a pruning table is yeah. <laughs> um but in, in in layman's terms it's sort of like a road map because like if you were to do these scrambles on your own every time like you would have to sort of like learn the layout of how states are related in this state space where pruning tables sort of simplify the states in using like cosets and stuff in in terms of abstract algebra but basically it like simplifies the state space down in such a way that it's a smaller map and it kind of like gives you sort of like a general path of where to go and then you disambiguate from like a node there. Yeah, it's a type of dynamic programming, I think, where basically it, it, ge- it generates some information as it's going so that it doesn't have to keep doing those calculations over and over again. And it just stores, it stores the result of the calculation instead. Yes, yeah, that's, and that's why I think of it kind of like a roadmap. It's kind of like, you know, you don't just throw out the information you learned about how to navigate from A to B. You use that to, like, help you in the future. Yeah, 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 exactly. It's, 
it, it's sacrificing space, like memory space, for computational time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so like when you in, when you initialize this five by five solver, it has to basically create this roadmap for you. Yeah, and that takes that's the, probably one of the biggest parts of computational time. And uh, Gregor pointed out that you know delegates often use Chromebooks to scramble. <laughs> You know, and that's because they, you know, Tnoodle can run within a web browser. They can save the PDFs to their Google Drive. So it's, um, it's a concern to like add five by five, just because the co- actual complexity of computing these five by five scrambles with with like a potential Tnoodle implementation is not simple. Yeah. <laughs> um, especially like if you needed like a f- extra five by five scramble set in the middle of a competition. You know, four by four and square one are pushing it, but it's not too bad to regen a new set on mm-hmm. the fly if need be. It will take a few minutes. Five by five, I don't know. I haven't played with the tool yet, but maybe that would be like upwards of like 30 or 40 minutes. I don't know. Uh, to keep following up though, the other uh, part about XYZZY's post was about um, why Mega is just not uh, ALG friendly as a puzzle or it just yeah. is not as helpful to learn ALGs. And basically, kind of talks about how, like the the you know, adding a fifth piece on a layer, a fifth of a piece type at least, like mm-hmm. edge and corner, just dramatically changes the number of cases for any alg set. And also the fact that we don't have user friendly software to generate algs for Megaminks, anyways. Mm-hmm. Like we have Cube Explorer for three by three. We have KSolve, but KSolve is not uh, the most user friendly. Apparently, uh, XYZZY also does my LL method where just direct com solve to do <laughs> CO and CP in the same step. I was trying that. I, I couldn't wrap my hand my head around how to like do it quickly. Yeah, I have like a few tricks and it's definitely not move efficient the way I do it. In general, I just try to like either look for or set up to having stickers that are like solved in the one move away from solved position is like they would be an interchange. So like if I get a three corner com at the end that just looks like a mess and I don't want to trace it and like real quickly, I often will insert a piece into like my interchange layer in the wrong slot, but so that the sticker is going to be an interchange the next time, which is like, you know, super inefficient because there's probably ways I could do setup like one or two setup moves to have like a pure com. Yeah, that's what I was always trying to find. Yeah, and to me that takes too long. It's a lot quicker to for me right now to just do a pure com that sets up a easy to recognize pure com. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, not very move efficient, but I the the time it takes for me to recognize different coms on like a last three corners case is just not worth it. <laughs> yeah, that's what I do mostly right now. Yeah. But cool. That's all I really had for follow up. All right. Time to do the show. <laughs> yeah. Which we basically kind of did like a brand new topic of five by five scrambles. Yeah, no, that, that was good. That. that was good. Yeah. Oops. Uh, it's, um, it's okay. We need to find things to talk about these days. Uh, that's true. <laughs> so speaking of scrambles. Yeah. So this is the thing I've been doing a little bit recently, which is just uh, at home when I'm practicing three by three, I just use three blind scrambles just so that I get a random orientation because that's more realistic. The cube's going to get set down a random orientation at a competition. I disagree. Well, okay, not a random orientation. <laughs> I think it's quite deterministic with a ra- with a small random element. Yes. Uh, I just think it's better to practice. I, I think that it it depends on the scrambler mm. to some extent as well. So you're not really going to know what orientation you're going to get in competition, so I think it's just better to practice with a random orientation. Yeah, that's fair. I do wonder what orientations are most common to get, though. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure you like. I'm sure it is not at all actually very, like very random or very uniform. Yeah. Well, it is random because right. there is some random yes. element, but it's not uniform. It, it is. I'm certain it's not uniform. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because like it, there's basically two ways that I can imagine people putting cubes in covers. Like you know, you you're scrambling white top green front, right? So it's either going to get if the cover is tipped over on its side. It's going to go in blue side first in that case. Right. And then it depends on how the like runner picks it up, how they rotate it. Mm-hmm. But I mean, typically covers are, are constrained enough that generally I would imagine that most commonly, it, if, the, if they are putting the cubes in that way, blue is going to be on bottom. And the way they flip it over should re- result in blue, blue on coming top. on top. Yep. Yeah. Most of the time. Um, 
Yeah, so one of those four orientations, like blue tops, one of the four adjacent sides in front. Yeah. Is, I think it would be one of the more common orientations. Yeah, I guess the other thing could be if, like, the cube covers, if they lift up the cube cover first, then put the cube in it, then that would result mm. in, I think, yellow top most often. Yeah, or if the cube cover is just standing up. Yeah. When they dr- And they drop it in, then yeah, I think yellow would be the most common top face. Um, I kind of want to do an analysis of, of this now, like take some random solver in an official comp and like just what is the orientation of the cube that they get? Yeah. <laughs> um, at least within this, like t- find a bunch of videos at least within the same competition. That's actually kind of an interesting analysis is to see like what a set of scramblers from the same round. Yeah, I'd, I'd also just be interested in general trends, like to just take as many videos as possible and analyze them. Yeah, that too, to see like just overall what the trends might be. Yeah. I think it'd be more interesting first to kind of like find a bunch of people's videos from like the same group in a competition Mm -hmm. because they're going to have consistent scrambling. Yeah. So you can see like what the distribution might look like for a particular set of scramblers and then move to um, like, what is it worldwide or like even like locally or nationwide or statewide or uh, region wide wherever mm-hmm. i don't know yeah so because i i th- yeah the distribution is going to look different i think depending on where you are too yeah i guess this brings up another question which is then should we be doing this at competitions using three blind um, scrambles with the the wide moves and rotation or i guess not rotation just wide moves to randomize the orientation i think it makes very little difference practically for a good solver i agree but, I mean, it is something. It's not hard to change to actually randomize it. I, it's, I think it's one of those things where, um, like, one, one con that I think of right away is just the, um, it adds difficulty to scrambling. Yeah. Um, just because you, you, have to, you have more things to check for. Like, you have to actually check centerpieces. Yeah. And it's also just a new type of notation. Like, when three-blind notation was introduced for, like, people who started scrambling three-blind, they just didn't... A lot of people just were just like, what do I do with that? Or, like, what what are these wide moves? Like, how do I apply a wide move to a three-by-three? Three? There's definitely a trade-off here where it's like you're making things slightly fairer, but is it worth the logistical headaches that might come with it? Yeah, it's one of those things where it's like, assume, assume that everything goes perfectly, then this is better. But Right, yeah, like, I think that... It, yeah, in a perfect world, I, I agree with you. I think that, yeah, having uh, scrambles generated in that manner works well. Yeah, assume there's no friction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no air resistance. <laughs> right, yeah. Not a physics person, but I can relate. Uh, statistics has a lot of assumptions, too. You know, assume that you actually took a random sample. Um, assume yeah. <laughs> that, you know, uh, you're... <laughs> Assume, like, no no non-response rate. Assume, uh... I don't know. I don't feel like the trade-off is worth it, personally. Yeah, I could understand that. It's kind of like having, like, logo pieces on even-layered cubes. Like, you can argue mm-hmm. that definitely gives people an advantage over not having a logo. Because you can't place it on a fixed piece. Wait, what advantage does that give, though? What advantage does seeing, like, a blue piece with a logo have over Logos are often, like, identifiable by feel. Okay, yeah. Um, at least especially like overlay logos are. Yeah. So you can argue that's like a minute advantage, but I don't think it's worth like the having people, the, giving people the ability to personalize their puzzles mm-hmm. and have them more identifiable as their puzzle in cases of like theft or accidental cube grabbing. Yeah. Whichever the case it is. Because <laughs> um, mm-hmm. I think a lot of people, a, a lot of reported quote-unquote theft in competitions, I think is just people accidentally taking other people's yeah, puzzles. Yeah. <laughs> but I digress, that's a different topic. So it's just another one of those sorts of things where it's like, it would make it fairer if we didn't have logos on, you know, puzzles without fixed pieces. But at the or same even, time... Or even puzzles with fixed pieces. What's that? Or even puzzles with fixed pieces. Yeah, I mean... If you can feel where the white side is, that's a very minor advantage. If, if you, you don't, don't know, know that your already. color scheme. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, sure. In an ideal world, having no logos is great, but like a lot of logos are painted on. Like, do we want to deal with the headaches of rejecting puzzles that were once totally fine in competition? Yeah. And like groan when manufacturers like put logos on their puzzles. 
do we want to forever like not allow stickerless GAN cubes because you know <laughs> GAN is a absolutely horrible company that doesn't listen to you know blind solvers that want to potentially use their cubes in competition where Chi actually provides and backup center logos so or centerpiece cap so that you can use your puzzle in blind yeah if you couldn't tell i don't like gan um, I, I can tell you don't like gan <laughs> gan is like i think one of the most antagonistic companies to cubing um <laughs> and just generally like i don't know i've ran I, i've ranted about gan on this podcast before so it's fine um <laughs> Pretty sure I have at least. I don't know if I have. Yeah, you've at least you, you've definitely talked about how you don't like their cubes. I don't know if you've ranted about them as a company before that much, but well, let me. It's all related. You know what? Let's go let, for it. Let, you, I'm, go for I'm it. Go I don't for have it. anything else to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, you know, my color scheme. I have a black face on one of my sides, and you know, with most puzzles, they have separable pieces. So, like, if I want to get my color scheme, it's expensive, but I can buy a, you know, a stickered black cube and a stickerless cube and just swap out the white side for something, or, yeah, the white side for something else. Mm -hmm. So, GAN, though, because they, I don't, for whatever reason, they don't make their pieces separable on stickered puzzles, but they do on stickerless. So, like, you know, the, the in a corner piece, the white green red corner like those are three different pieces that come together to make that corner but um if you have a stickered puzzle that's a single corner cap huh okay and it's just like not i don't know not that i've like really liked that many gan cubes like the x i think was the first passable gan cube to me that was like i could consider using this but it was just like okay well never mind i'm not going to use this then (laughs) Yeah, it seems weird that they would do that. Like, it just seems inefficient. <laughs> right. Like, I, I, I guess they prioritize, like, just, like, a nice cube. That, something that, like, feels nice and doesn't have, like, cuts on the pieces or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just, like, you're literally making your cubes cost more, having less customizability with your puzzles. Like, I'm not the only yeah. person that uses a black side. There's a lot of blinders that do this. Um, and not that blinders could even use GAN puzzles in the first place because they don't give you on a stickerless puzzle the ability to, you know, have a white blank cap. So, I don't know. That and just, like, the... It's like, I don't want to pay that much for a GAN cube, and your cube doesn't let me use... Unless I, like, go through the process of, like, sugaring off the logo or whatever people do to get rid of GAN logos. (laughs) Um... And then it feels different from all the other centers anyways, so <laughs> good job. Um, and, like, then on top of that, like, you don't even let me customize to a black side because you make your black stickered puzzles stupid. Yeah. Or nice but stupid because now it doesn't allow customization. So I don't know. I don't get it. Especially considering they do this whole, you know, create your own puzzle, the infinity lines, where, like, you could customize the inner color of your plastic. Like, <laughs> what the hell, Gan? Like, why would I want, why do I care about that when, like, you know, customizable sticker shades on a stickerless cube is actually something useful we could use with your customization, but you don't offer it. Yeah, I mean, that's something that's even available on, like, a chi like, budget cube, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, just at least swapping out black for, at the very least. Yeah. Um, like, you know the one I'm talking about, right? No. You, you know the Chi-Yi budget cube, one of them. I mean, there's probably a lot of them. Well, why don't you name one? Andrew, do you not know cubes? Uh, please help me. I need I need to remember <laughs> what this cube is called. Well, there's the new Chi-Yi uh, MS, I think it is. Oh, what else? It's a little older. Um, Thunderclap? No, then that's not a budget cube. That kind of was. It was only like ten bucks. I guess so. Or even cheaper. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Why am I supposed to guess your budget cube? Is this a new podcast segment? If if it is, I don't like it, and I protest. No, no, it's not a new segment. Don't worry, it's an old segment. It's an old segment. This well, it's not really a segment. I just want to know what it's called, Kit. <laughs> I mean, 
you're probably not, I mean, not that, like, I make fun of you for not knowing puzzles, but, like, I'm probably not the best person to ask about puzzles. Um, is it the uh, sale? Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. You knew it this whole time, and you were just <laughs> wanting to ring a bell on me? <laughs> yep. That's sickening. That just... Uh, my stomach is rumbling. Mostly because I'm hungry, but also because you make me sick. <laughs> my God. Uh, so if I say things like little magic, does that ring the bell? Uh, it doesn't ring any bells. <laughs> Andrew, why do I do a podcast with you? This is insufferable. <laughs> <laughs> I quit. I don't want to do this anymore. I'm out. Find a new co-host. All right. Ki- fine. I'll, I'll do the other thing you wanted to talk about. <laughs> Fine. You know what? I'm back on the podcast. <laughs> I just wanted to talk briefly about online competitions since it's kind of the only thing that's happening in cubing right now. Yeah. So cubing at home is probably the biggest one that's come out. They've had five competitions so far. Do you know much about cubing at home, Andrew? N- not really. I just know that it's an online thing. Well, maybe I do know. Uh, it's an online thing. Anybody can compete. If you want to be considered, like, to win, you have to submit a video of yourselves? Mm-hmm. Uh, no, you... Uh, oh, yeah, you do if you want to podium, you need to submit a video. Right. Uh, and they're, like, streaming it with commentary, I guess, or something? Yeah, and it's... It, the quality of that, the Cubing at Home competition is definitely improved a lot. I think I talked about... We talked about the very first Cubing at Home the last time we recorded a podcast. And yeah. And we kind of talked about how I was just kind of like, I don't know if I'll do one again. Just because it didn't really... Uh, you know, fill the same part of a competition that I was missing, mostly the in-person element. Um, Mm -hmm. But the stream quality of their competitions has really gone up since the first one, where they have a lot more going on, where I feel like I can actually, like, watch something happening and it's, like, an interesting live event happening. Commentary's improved a lot. Um, The people they bring on to kind of talk about different things has improved a lot. I was brought on to talk about stuff for uh, one of the cubing at homes. Okay. Um, They did a bracket challenge on the most recent one where they were going to give a $1,000 cubicle gift card to anyone that could uh, submit a perfect bracket. (laughs) And lo and behold, nobody did. uh, Because (laughs) not only did you have to get like the whole eight-person bracket right, you had to guess every individual person's seed correctly. Okay, yeah. So, like, and you didn't know who which eight people were going to qualify, so you had to guess from, like, the list of competitors who were going to be those eight people, where they'd be in the bracket, <laughs> um, and then predict it correctly after that. Yeah, that seems impossible. <laughs> yep, so... Uh, very to me it was just like yeah there's a reason they are doing a one thousand dollar prize yeah i mean i'd make it way more than one thousand dollars if it's gonna be that hard to do oh yeah yeah i mean like warren buffett or something for like march madness i think always offers like a one million dollar prize for his bracket challenge or something if you could guess a perfect bracket and you know the 64 teams that are there yeah (laughs) um so it's like a bigger bracket there but like you know who the teams are i think it's way harder to do this bracket challenge when you have like a pool of roughly like 16 to 20 people that could make it into that top eight yeah and you have no idea where you have no idea where they're gonna land even if you get like the right set of people so like uh timon and um leo borromeo are the two biggest kind of recurring competitors on cubing at home competitions they mm-hmm. won i think together they shared the first four and then patrick ponce won the fifth one okay um but they are always like top seeds and stuff but like in this cubing at home um leo was a two seed and timon was a seven i think so they ended up in the mm-hmm. first round facing off Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, and it was just like, well, why are the finals hap- Why is like the final round happening right now? Right, like. Uh, <laughs> so that was. Uh, so yeah, it's just kind of like, how are you possibly supposed to predict where these people are going to land? Um, yeah. Another competition though I've done online, which I think has been a lot more fun for me personally, is um, the Twisty Puzzle Cup. Okay. And this is led by um, Michael Chai. Um, who's a California delegate, and uh, I think Pretham and um, Manu. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's a bracket style competition where they do like a qualifier round and it's just a gigantic bracket. Okay. Uh, like a 64 person bracket and you end up like doing head to head solves with people uh, online to compete. Which, um, I don't know, to me, I, th- I find that competition fun just because there's an actual, like, interactive element to it. Mm-hmm. Like, where you're not just solving on your own and watching a stream and not, like, there's no necessary interactive element of the competition. Um, like, it's not the same because you're just, you know, interacting with one person. But I, I think it's it, it's kind of like, a, to me, in, 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 the format is cool for an online competition that you get this interactive part. Yeah, being actually able, like, do you like talk to the person you're against, or is it like how does that work? Yeah, they 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 highly suggest doing Discord calls because they like have you basically act as like the judge of the other competitor to make sure everything is going okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so they generally recommend that you like set up like a Discord call with video with your opponent to like basically be able to like watch what they're doing and make sure everything is going okay, mm-hmm. uh, and discourage cheating and things of that nature. I don't know. I've done it a few times. All of my matches, though, so far in the TPC have been streamed because I keep landing in the first round in, like, the, the match with adjacent seeds, like 8 versus 9 or 32 <laughs> versus 33. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I like I've I, every single match I've done for TPC has been on their stream <laughs> because <laughs> they always want to bring, like, the closest matches on stream. And yeah. I come on in the first round, face up against someone who has a close seed to me and get completely knocked out, so... Uh, it's a great time. Uh, <laughs> so that's um, that's been fun. The other kind of online thing that's been fun recently is um, Philip Lewicki has been doing the Monkey League, which are these like random matchups between cubers doing like long head-to-head matchups. Like Felix and Timon did a um, first to fifty, I think, head-to-head on three by three. I remember that one. I didn't see it but I remember talking about it. <laughs> yeah, it was epic, too, because um, I'm th- pretty sure it was, Timon won 50 to 49. Hmm, wow. So it was like the they, they literally played the maximum number of solves in a best of 99 series. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, what the heck? <laughs> How does that even happen? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I don't, so I didn't watch it live, but I've heard it, it was a really incredible stream. Um, so... That's kind of a cool thing to see more with online stuff now that people have more weekends free with no competitions. Mm -hmm. Uh, As you can see a lot more, you know, watchable content like that with, you know, big cubers going head to head like that. That's all I really have to say about online competitions. (laughs) They're not as cool as in-person ones. (laughs) Yeah, I I haven't been doing anything with them. So, yeah, I'm a bit out of the loop. Yeah. I might try some... I've been meaning to try cubing stuff on Twitch for a while, but I... I should really just figure that out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I've been wanting to get, I really do want to get back into Twitch streaming um, soon. I've been doing a lot of uh, unofficial events for fun. Mm-hmm. Um, not like our end of podcast segment, but like actual unofficial events that one person might enjoy. Um, <laughs> hey, my end of my, my thing this week is so good. <laughs> You're going to, you hate should mine. try You should try it on stream. Mine is so good. You're going to hate mine. You're going to absolutely hate mine. Um, <laughs> so, um, regardless, um, I've been doing a lot of Kirby Copter and FTO. What's FTO? Uh, face-turning octahedron. Face-turning octahedron. Got it. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> um, FTO is growing in popularity pretty fast, too. Like, you can't find FTOs in stock anywhere because people are oh, really? trying to get into the event. There's something about, you know, nice... Uh, what not regular regular polyhedra but what's the term for it euclidean no there's like Isn't a you, uh or pl- no is it yeah platonic, platonic solid, solid that's it yeah yeah so um yeah yeah so the, the ft the fto is a platonic solid octahedron i don't know if there's just something about platonic solid puzzles that are like appealing to people <laughs> <laughs> um but uh, I, some, for some reason, a lot of people have been getting into FTO recently. And it is an interesting puzzle. It's, um, like, one of the weirdest things about it is that, um, so, like, there are eight sides. But in terms of stickers, stickers um, basically create, are, like, in two different halves. So, like, um, 
there's like for my color scheme there's a white red gray orange half Mm-hmm. And all of those stickers will stay on those faces. They'll never intermingle on faces with purple, blue, green, or yellow. Oh, really? Yeah. So it's really, that's like a part of the puzzle that like basically Ben uh, Streeter developed a method for the puzzle. And it basically leverages that fact greatly. And it's, I don't know, it's, it's, it's definitely a fun solve. I've been, I, I bought a bunch of modding tools, like a Dremel and like new springs and, uh, <laughs> It feels like I'm like diving back to like 2008 days with cubing, where you had to like yeah. literally like do everything to your puzzle to make it worthwhile. But I hope that I'll get more into the event once I make my puzzle good. <laughs> it's, it's, as fun as the solve is, the puzzle is so bad, so awful to turn. But um, yeah, with no WCA competitions, I've been finding unofficial events really fun right now. How do you? Do you say you've been doing that on stream? No, I've been doing it on stream yet, but I do want to do more like unofficial puzzles, like Curvy Copter and FTO on stream. How do you plan to record that? Just like set up a webcam behind you, I guess, like over the shoulder. Or yeah, something? I have a tripod and a webcam that like attaches to a tripod, so that's what I usually do when I because when I streamed in the past, I would yeah have like a basically a tripod set up over my shoulder. It wasn't perfect, and, like, it kind of encroached on my space a little bit. <laughs> um, but I'm sure there's, like, pretty good ways that you could get that to work well. All right, do you want to move to your uh, math cubing corner? Yeah, so for the next few weeks at least, there's just been a lot of, like, cubing and math-related things that have come to mind, especially now that we've been talking, like, about parody a lot on the last yeah. few episodes. <laughs> I don't want to talk more about parody, but I do want to recommend a video that came out in the past couple months from Numberphile. Are you, you're aware of that YouTube channel, I assume. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've watched a lot of number file. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, they did a cool video on the 15 puzzle. It's uh, The video is called Why Is This Puzzle Impossible uh, on the number file channel, and we'll probably put a link to this video in the show in the like show notes, too. The video is just very cool because it describes parody from a mathematical perspective. And while 15 puzzle isn't necessarily a cube, it is a permutation puzzle that a lot of cubers are surely familiar with. Yeah, I don't want to talk too much about that video, but I just wanted to, like, you know, bring it up because I think it's a really cool video to uh, watch if you're not as uh, sold on, like, understanding parody from a mathematical perspective. Because this video, given, like, 15 Puzzle has a lot of similarities in terms of how cubes work, it'll, you know, maybe sort of bridge the gap in understanding for, like, what parody means in cubing to what parody means mathematically. All right. But I got a lot more math stuff I want to talk about next week. Yeah, I'm excited for the other ones. They they both seem very interesting, and I'm not exactly sure what either of them mean, the two things you have listed yeah. right now. Uh, so we got to record those episodes soon. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll hopefully not have a month-plus gap between episodes next time. Yeah, lo- lots of stuff was changing, and we just never got around to scheduling recordings. <laughs> Life is hard right now. I'm sure you all understand. Yeah. Um, should we move on to our end segments, though? Yeah, We're let's do it. About the hour mark here in the episode. So how did how did your uh, unofficial events or your new SEE events go last week? All right, so I tried 3x3 three three with Mask. <laughs> um, I got a 15.13. Which I'm sure was better than whatever I got. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it doesn't seem that hard to just put on a mask, to be honest. Hmm. <laughs> interesting commentary there andrew um oh <laughs> yes yes indeed uh <laughs> i only did one solve there because you only did one solve That's so fair. um how how did blindfolded three by three go for you it went pretty well actually i'm worried i did it wrong given how much better i did than you <laughs> i think that i was just trying way too hard to do it well and that made me do it much worse okay so I mean, you didn't do that much better. Your times are still pretty slow. <laughs> yeah, they're still pretty slow, but, like, I, I was I was surprised at how easy I felt it was compared to your times. Because, um, <laughs> like, you can touch the cube with your hand. It's just that the blindfold has to be gripped on somewhere, right? Pretty much, yeah. Okay. I was worried that, like, you were, like, solving with, like, only making turn. Like, you were just only allowed to touch the cube through the blindfold. Oh no! Yeah, yeah, I didn't think that was the case. <laughs> like when you were describing, it, it was like the blindfold. It has the blindfold has to pinch a layer. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Yep. Then I did it right. No, you yeah, you got it. it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My, so what do you? You got a 
41.35 was my average of five. Right. I had a 31 single in there. That one would have been like an eight if I were doing a normal <laughs> three solve. It was so dumb. It was just like easy X cross into free pair, free pair, split pair, like done. It was so dumb. <laughs> uh, nice. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, thanks for wasting that one. <laughs> so, All right. Well, we've got some new events today. I'm really happy with mine. It's It was... I didn't have an event uh, like an hour before we were going to record, and then <laughs> you mentioned the end segments, and then I was like, oh, I need to come up with an event. <laughs> um, so I'll, I'll tell you about that, but you said, uh, my, I feel like mine's pretty good, so let's save it for last, because you said yours is horrible. <laughs> yeah, like, let me just say that as someone who's already completed my average of five, I am very happy that I do not have to do this now. <laughs> so this is three by three with face. Oh, no. <laughs> Basically, you solve three by three, but you um, have to inspect the cube and solve the cube while the cube is touching some part of your face. <laughs> if it ever leaves t- like your like contact with your face, it's a DNF. All right. Sanitize your cubes first, people. Unless it's solved <laughs> when you... Like, it's kind of like when you take the blindfold off. You can take the blindfold off before you stop the timer, but you can't touch the cube anymore. Yeah. Same idea. Like, you have like you can stop. You can only release the cube from your face um, <laughs> once you have uh, you know stopped the solve completely, or it's already solved. Okay. I don't know. This doesn't seem like it's going to be that hard. Looking at your times here, but yeah, it's so maybe, maybe we'll have the inverse of last week. <laughs> yeah. Um, I feel like I definitely could have done a lot better. I had to learn. I don't want to say too much, but you kind of have to learn where the best place to put the cube on your face is. Yeah, I'm trying to, I'm looking at that. I don't know. I kind of feel like, hmm. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to know. say what I will what figure I it out and we'll see what happens. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, wait. Hmm? I have an idea. Ah, this is going to be good for next time. All right. <laughs> Did I give you a new idea? <laughs> no, no, no. I have an idea for how, how to put it onto my face in a creative way that might work okay decently um um all right so let's see your your event is called three by three with face three by three with face yeah i mean you can obviously use your hands to solve it but just it has to be on your face yes all right (laughs) i didn't come up with a name for my event okay but here's how it works so i came up with this because i have a, a big uh like container of dice sitting next to me at my desk here okay so what i did is I associated each number on the die with a face of the cube. Okay. Of a three by three. I rolled 10 dice. Okay. And then you are only allowed to make turns based on the roll. So, for example, if you roll, and my my association, you can use whatever you want. uh, Although for this, for when you do it, I think you should use my association as well, because that way we're working with the exact same stuff. I'll probably just Um, roll a computer simulated die to do it. (laughs) Or I, I, you can use you can use the same rolls as I did to see how we oh, do the same, the same scramble with okay. the same rolls. Yeah, got it. Got it. Um, so, for instance, in mine, I had one equals you. So that means if in your you roll ten dice, and that's your pool of moves you can use, and that 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 one can be a U, it can be a U prime, it can be a U two, and you can put them in any order you want. So if you have a one, if you have two ones and a two, you could do like and two for me was L. Then you could do like U L U, or you could do L U prime, or whatever. Um, so you can do them in any order, and you don't have to use all of the things you roll, but that is that is the pool of what you are allowed to use. So, and the goal is to do it while having to re-roll the dice the fewest times possible. So you roll the 10 dice, you make whatever moves you can with the, with the, the moves you rolled, then you re-roll them all, you make whatever moves you can with, the, with what you rolled, and you keep doing that until eventually you have solved the cube. And the goal is to do it in f- the fewest rolls possible with the number of moves you use total as a type. So if you want to do a U-prime, do you have to spend three ones? No, you can just use a single one. A single it, it, okay, counts as, okay. it counts as any type of, any any turn of that face. Okay, you probably said that. I just wanted to clarify. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, okay, so, and you, you got a result of 14, meaning that you used... Um, Four. Yeah, so I, I rolled the 10 dice 14 times. Okay, and you might just not 
cho- you might choose to not use all of the the roles you were given. Right. Yeah. I, I think almost every time in mine, I didn't use all of them because okay. you'll often get something where like, or I guess like technically you could use them all most well no sometimes you'll have like a random r move and it's like i don't want to do any kind of r move so you can just ignore that you okay. can do an r4 i guess technically <laughs> uh, you should put the sequence of roles in the show notes too so that people can try this i will okay yeah i'll put the sequence of roles uh you, you have to be careful because you aren't allowed to know what the next thing you're gonna roll is oh yeah, yeah otherwise you can just <laughs> yeah so that's why in our show notes i have it them blanked out but i'll put it, i'll put it all in the show notes all of the roles so that people can try it at home and I just have up to 14. Maybe I should generate a few more. If I need more, um, I'll, I'll generate more myself. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll, actually, I'll actually do that. That way I can put it in the show notes as well. Okay. Um, so I'll just generate a few more in case they're needed. Mm-hmm. Um, and that way people can try this at home with the same scramble I used and the same rolls. I'll, I'll even clean it up so that instead of saying like one, two, three and stuff, it'll just say like, it'll say the faces you're allowed to turn. And all, all of those faces will be referencing from the standard WCA orientation with uh, yeah. Green front, white up, whatever, whatever orientation you scramble in. This sounds like an event I would come up with. I'm very impressed that you came up with something like this in an hour. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I feel like my solve was pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I'm impressed. Forty six, yeah, so forty six moves mm-hmm. and fourteen rolls. Yeah, so that that's interesting that you only because that would mean that you only use like two or three moves per roll. On average, yeah. Sometimes there were times when it was like I. I'm doing like an algorithm or a com or something, and it's like I really need an R move right now, and then I just didn't roll any. <laughs> this this is honestly kind of an interesting event. Yeah, I, I feel I, like it's pretty interesting, and I, <laughs> I like came up with strategies as I was doing it. I was like, I mean, I'll, we can talk about it next episode, but and but yeah, uh, was, obviously no, there are no rotations in this. Right. Yeah. Okay. That was my event. <laughs> awesome! I'm excited to try that. <laughs> It's it's a challenge. Oh, oh, and I should clarify. Um, you don't have to like commit to the moves within the same set. So keep track of all the moves mm-hmm. you've done up to that point because you're allowed to re-scramble and like do all the moves up to that same point. So you treat it like FMC almost, like a linear yeah. FMC that you can backtrack at least to the beginning of that set of rolls. Yes. Okay. Exactly. Um, yeah. Okay. Is it like fair to like say that I can like say like if I screw up? like turning can i just like go back to the scramble at the beginning and like reapply everything i've done so far yeah absolutely okay just as long as as long as the only change like once you move on to a new role you have to commit all your changes yes yeah okay yeah this is cool i i don't know it's it's definitely like heavy rng element here yeah i feel like like the number of dice that i should have rolled probably shouldn't have been 10 for it to actually be the most interesting it could be but Hmm. (laughs) that was just just 10 was a nice round number yeah, so cool. I'm sure we could do some like stats and be like, what is the what is would be the most interesting number that like most of the time gets you something that's interesting to work with but still has limitations. I don't know. Uh, do you have a Hollywood Maryland fact? Oh, I do. <laughs> so um, I don't know if this was uh, mentioned honestly in a previous episode because it's been so long. Um, but the one Hollywood Maryland fact I have of the day is that um, when. Uh, Bill Clinton was done with being president. Uh, they had a cat called Socks that lived in the White House. Mm-hmm. And after uh, uh, Clinton left the White House, Socks went to reside in Hollywood, Maryland. Oh, nice. That's, that was uh, Socks's uh, last days after being the White House cat were spent in Hollywood, <laughs> Maryland. All right. So, um, yeah, if, if there's any... Uh, you know, successors of Socks the Cat out in Hollywood, Maryland. We want to, you know, give a nice shout out to Socks family. Yep. Clearly they're listening to this podcast with a number of people we have listening from Hollywood, Maryland. <laughs> yeah, we have to have everybody, including the cats. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yep. All right. Fun times. <laughs> Good thing I'm allergic to cats. Uh, thankfully, I will not, uh, you know, I'm not allergic to podcasting to cats, though. That's true. That's true. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, Why are we ending? That's so not how we end these shows. Yeah, wait a minute. It's time. Sorry, I, I I was confused with my other show. Sorry, <laughs> I've been recording a lot of my uh, Blood on the Clock Tower podcast lately, and I always end end the episodes like that. Uh, really? <laughs> that doesn't seem like you at all. 
No, I'm, that show's pretty formal. Like, I have an intro that I say at the start of every episode. I have guests. You do things formally? Yeah. Um, that does... I, I, I can't compute that. <laughs> <laughs> like, do you wear... Do you, like, dress up for your podcast? Like, do Yeah, you wear... I wear a tuxedo. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, uh, you know, you... Uh, do you is it bow tie or like full tie full tie full tie please okay. that's classy that's classy do you wear a full tie to layer by layer just like over a t-shirt or do you wear like a t-shirt with a tie on it i actually uh usually wear a clown outfit oh i mean i should have expected that but <laughs> <laughs> what, what what really can i expect from you here there's actually like seven more of me in a tiny car right now uh have all seven of you spoken up at some point yeah we take turns <laughs> one of them just rings the bell <laughs> is that just like the horn of the clown car is the little bell <laughs> yes exactly <laughs> cool um you do you uh want to take me in that clown car to get some lunch yeah sure all right cool um where do you want to go um chipotle i don't know i was thinking of some place on the ocean oh perhaps in involving a boat with canvas what are those things called boat drinks no no like the canvas part of the boat the uh hmm the warrior m <laughs> The thunderclap, uh, <laughs> the the uh, guanlong. Hmm, that's not like chi puzzle, is it? <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, the wu wei. <laughs> the um, mgc. <laughs> the way long. Hmm. The little magic. You know what? Way long almost works. <laughs>